With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Tis that time of the season when the ghouls and goblins prowl. Witches ride their broomsticks and bonehead wildcats howl. So scrape your claws together and make some chilling noise. For your haunted wildcatters, those spooky Bosco boys. Boom. The boys are back. It is Scott Wildcat and Chauncey Bosco, the Wonder Pup. Whew. I want to say what a game, but it was, (laughs) I mean, it it was a slobber knocker of a game. Uh, But Farmageddon order has been restored. Corn's down. All the bridge jokes. Uh... You know, winning is greater than a bridge. You absolutely love it. Uh, it, It's good to have the golden pecan pie or whatever mythical trophy you want to uh, attribute to this game back in Manhattan, Kansas, back where it belongs. Um, (laughs) You know, I've talked about it quite often ever since the invite uh, for the wedding uh, that I was going to be at a wedding so I, I, I did not get to watch hardly any of this game live. I tried to sneak some looks at my phone, but uh, had a blast with all uh, sorts of folks who I haven't seen in a really long time. Uh, you know, the wedding was for a uh, buddy who, like, made friend on the very first day of kindergarten. So lots of old friends got to catch up. So I went back and rewatched the game this morning. And, and I got to say this. So, so I... I got home in time to see the very end. So I, I saw the very end of the game live, uh, which was big time. Um, but re-watching, I, I think re-watching a game, or not even re-watching, watching a game for the first time, knowing your team won, kind of takes a lot of stress out of it. And I, I think especially on defense, I, I was able really to dial in, and, and I really enjoyed watching our defensive possessions. Uh, before we jump into the show, you already know it. We are sponsored by Manhattan Brewing Company. Recording this just uh, a, l- a little bit before the noon games kick off for this NFL slate. You know, right when we hop off this, I'll be cracking open a beer. I I, I need to caffeinate. You know, uh, I I was pretty pumped after that game, so I didn't get a lot of sleep. Um, so I'm caffeinating right now before I will transition into, honestly, you guys know it, a pumpkin batch pumpkin beer from Manhattan Brewing Company. It's fall. It's gotten cold. It's gotten to the point where, you know, you're getting those frost warnings when you wake up and take your dog on a walk in the morning. Um, it's nice and chilly. You got to wear some crew neck sweatshirts, a uh, little stocking cap. Oh, it is the best. And the best beer to go along with that is the Manhattan Brewing Company Pumpkin Batch. Not only is it great in a can, folks, you got to get in their tap room. You got to get it straight from the source because there isn't a tastier or more fresh pint in the entire state than right there in the Manhattan Brewing Company tap room. 
It's great vibes, great beers, great people. So get in there, get a couple pints, and take some beer with you to go. If you aren't in Manhattan, you need to straight up bully. I don't. I, I usually do not endorse bullying. That's a lie. There are times for bullying. But you need to bully your liquor store until they have Manhattan Brewing Company beer right there in the craft beer section. So I'll be cracking those open during NFL Sunday. You know I'll be drinking a few of those during the Chiefs Monday night game if you guys are listening to this on release day. So check out Manhattan Brewing Company. All right, um, K-State 10, Iowa State 9. So um, I'm not surprised by the way this game went. Um, It is the two best defenses in the Big 12. And Iowa State's offense is poverty. So... Ideally, you would have liked to score more than 10 points. And here's the thing. We should have scored more than 10 points. You know, we'll, we'll talk about Malik's play. That could have been seven. Um, the Chris, Chris Tennant uh, field goal, I mean, I would have liked to see an angle from, like, right under the uprights. Like, I'm not saying it was a make, but it, it was not, like, a distinguishing bad miss by any means from the angle they gave you. But it was a miss. So, I mean, in all reality, the game very easily could have been 20 to 9. And then if it was 20 to 9, that is about the range of what I expected out of the game. You know, not quite to my score prediction. I think I had a scoring 27, but we would have been close. We would have been close. Um, the score, and especially trailing late, trailing late. So, I, I got in my car. Right when Iowa State kicked their field goal to take the lead. Um, And I was driving home. I got home in time to see our field goal. And then hold on. Um, But, I mean, yes, you you were trailing late. And it was a one-point victory. But I, again, maybe it's because I wasn't watching it live. And living and dying with every single play. Because I saw Twitter. And I, I see the message boards and I see the freakouts. Like, and, and I'm not saying any of that's invalid. It was an ugly game. It was an ugly game. And we'll talk about some of my, uh, what's the right word, uh, frustrations with the offense and frustration with some of the play calling. Because there, there was some there. There was some there. But Iowa State's a very good defense. And this was a game where if you look at the advanced stats, if you look at success rate, uh, Parker's at Stats of War on Twitter, my buddy who, uh, TCU guy, massive stats guy, we dominated that game. That was a game where it wasn't K-State held on for victory. It wasn't a, uh, you know, Iowa State lost the game or anything like that. K-State won the game and Iowa State got super lucky to keep it close. If you go back and rewatch it, not having to live and die with every play as it's going, it, it was it was mistakes and mishaps by K State, a, a handful of them that made that game feel and look and on the scoreboard way closer than it was. So getting to watch it for the first time, fresh eyes, knowing that you pull off the win, I came away insanely impressed with K-State in this game. Now, Iowa State is going to hashtag struggle for six, 100%. And their offense is not very good. Their offense is not very good. Xavier Hutchinson is a good wide receiver. They had a couple other guys, you know, make some big-ish plays. So, I, I think... That going in there in a night game and having that sort of performance, because again, even if Iowa State's not going to be very good, that's still a gritty win. And as much as as much fun as I like to poke at Iowa State, I would imagine if you look at their schedule, I think there is a very real chance they beat. You know, I mean, Texas is on the road. I don't think they're going to get that. But gosh, Oklahoma State's on the road. Okay. And TCU's on the road. All right. I was about to say, (laughs) 
I was about to say I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if they knocked out off one of the contenders. Um, but they have to go to Texas, to Oklahoma State, and to TCU. So I take that back. <laughs> oh my gosh, I take that back. But the, their defense is going to cause problems for some teams. But. They weren't the best defense on the field. And and that's not just uh, Iowa State's offense being uh, bad or anything like that. I I thought that we were getting pressure even though we only got two sacks. I thought we had great coverage. I think we had great schemes. So I, I came away very impressed with the game. We're top of the Big 12 by ourselves. You go to the Big 12 standings, there was one team at 3-0. There's only one team, and that's K-State. And the fun part about next week, we're on a bye. Oklahoma State goes to TCU, and that's a 2:30 ABC game. And we just get to kick back our feet and watch that game. I have no idea who we want to win that game. I have no idea at all. But it's going to be so fun watching that. Because, again, we'll be tied with one of those teams. I mean, hell, if, if TCU wins that, then you're, you're tied with them and then you're going to Fort Worth for a battle for sole possession of first place in the Big 12. Absolutely buzzing. Absolutely over the moon. And, hell, you, you win Farmageddon. Oh, it is good. And you could see the emotion on the field. You could see it in the players. You could see it in the stands as well. You know, anyone who tries to roll their eyes, and I think it's typically the older set of the fan base, the set of the fan base that isn't super online, uh, because this was a rivalry that was originally born uh, as a joke on GoEma.com that has turned into something real amongst the fans and it has bled over into the administrators. It's bled over into the coaches. You could see the way Chris Kleiman and Gene Taylor reacted. You could see the way the players were reacting. You could see how the Iowa State coaches and players were reacting to almost every play. This truly is a rivalry. And when you look at this series now, dating back to those games in Arrowhead, I mean, outside of the COVID game that we should not have played, every game is coming down to the wire. Every game is a possession here or there that completely tilt the game. You know, it is... I mean, it is the premier rivalry in the new Big 12. And it's not even close. I know... Those guys up in Ames, those guys in Iowa, are going to, first thing, when the football schedule comes out, and honestly, it could be coming out for next year any day now, because I know they were settling on it all this month in October. The first game they're going to schedule is their trip to Manhattan next year, and I hope our guys have that same mentality and bring it because it is a fun game. It is fun amongst the fans. And now it is just a slobber knocker on the field. Looking at uh, the stats, K-State 16 first downs to Iowa State's 13. This is this is what sucks. Only 4 of 13 on third down. Not great for our offense. Held them to only 5 of 15 in the big one, 0 for 1. On fourth downs, K State outgained Iowa State by over a hundred yards, three hundred eighty-eight yards to two seventy-six. Now, that is good. What is also great: thirteen of twenty passing for almost thirteen yards per pass versus Iowa State, holding them to only five point two per pass. Both teams, I mean, K-State rushed the ball 38 times for 131 yards. Only 3.4 yards a rush. That sucks. Iowa State, 78 for 24, 3.3. That also sucks. Time of possession, basically even. We edged them out by 22 seconds. Um, K-State, one turnover. Lost the turnover battle. But got the win. 
We had three penalties for 25 yards, five for 40. Honestly, right there, just reading off those stats, if you go in and look at the yards per play, yards per drive, percentage of yards, all that stuff, you can only come away from it if you look at things objectively, if you look at the numbers. K-State dominated the game as much as you can winning a game 10-9. to as much as you can dominating game 10 to 9. So, I have next to no complaints on that. So, I'm pumped, guys. I I, I know I, I know it's coming across. Um I I I'm buzzing. After that two-lane game, I was pretty down. But I said and others said, it's not just me, that everything was in front of this team that we wanted. And we have now, and they've been close games. They have been battles. That's what the Big 12 is. The Big 12 has been and will continue to be a battle week in and week out. Weekend and week out. And we have now won three games all in drastically different ways. Drastically different ways. And this team has basically shown that they can compete with anyone in any sort of game they want to run out there. So let's get into talking about the offense. But before we do, we've teamed back up with Charlie Hustle to once again bring Wildcat fans the freshest game day gear. Whether you're living it up with friends in Aggieville, catching a game in Bill Snyder Family Stadium, or watching a college football Saturday at the peanut taking down wings right here in Kansas City, you need to get your gear at Charlie Hustle. It is the best officially licensed K-State gear in the world. I'm currently wearing their purple crew neck sweatshirt. It's the most comfortable thing I've ever put on. So shop online at charliehustle.com. Visit their Kansas City store on the Country Club Plaza. They also have select retailers with merchandise throughout Manhattan. So shop Charlie Hustle's K-State collection today. So let's get to the offense. And there was a lot of strife. There was a lot of frustration with the offense when you go back and look at Twitter, message boards, etc., etc. And I and I do understand some of it. Um, the first thing I'll point out are two third and shorts that I, I didn't love. Either the play call, the execution. Ultimately, if you don't know the exact play call... You don't know what it is. Actually, one of them I know for sure. The When we kicked the field goal that we ultimately missed, we had that third. Actually, it, it was both of them. Uh, Adrian Martinez ends up running the ball, not picking up the first down. On the one where we missed, where it was originally a pass play, um, they just, Iowa State covered the play well. I would have liked to see Adrian Martinez, and this is going to be a theme, I would have liked to see Adrian Martinez get north and south and just charge forward trying to pick up that first down instead of trying to extend things out towards the boundary. Now, I've praised Adrian quite a few times for his ability to do that and find the play. That just was not available in the second half versus Iowa State. Um, There was the QB power. It just got blown up. I, I didn't like that call. And then, and I thought this was going to uh, like kill us off. And even rewatching, I was like, man, I would have been melting down on Twitter. The, the read option, which he decided to keep it, that gave them the ball back that second time. Um, I don't know, man. I, I, I understand we've had a lot of success going option, going east, west. Um, with Adrian Martinez. That has not been a complaint for me at all. But in that sort of game where um, I love our offensive line. I absolutely love our offensive line. Yes, they've been disappointed sometimes. But that was that was a very good defensive front we went up against. And they were not winning at the you know line of attack very much. So going east-west, not charging right at that first down line, um, I, I hated that call on, on third and one. If it's a give, if it is, if you're just running out the QB motion just to try to draw some eyes, that's fine. 
Uh, but I, I would have much rather given it to DJ and just let him pound in there and try to pick up that yard. So I understand some of the frustration there. I also understand some of the frustration when you look at the play mix. Now, K-State came into the game being, I think, the number three rushing attack in the entire nation. And you have to keep going with what you succeed in. I understand that. I, I, I probably, you know, you, you'd probably be livid as a K-State fan if you would have come into the game and say, hey, you're only going to rush the ball five times or some shit like that. But when you are only getting 3.4 yards per carry and you're getting 12.9 yards an attempt on uh, in the passing game, 13 of 20. I mean, you, you do have to scratch your head and kind of wonder, okay, were we a little bit off in how we were calling the game? Should you have leaned a little bit more into the passing game? Because again, outside of the fumble, Malik Knowles had a great game. Five catches for 108 yards. Phillip Brooks, four for almost 120. And yes, he had 81 of those on one play. And, and yes, Malik Knowles had 68 on that one play. But when those guys get the ball, they have the ability to make a guy miss. And we saw that in both of those big plays. So I would have liked to see them get more of an opportunity to make some of those big plays. So that's where my frustration comes with the offense. Ultimately, though, um, two, yes, they, there were two or three very, very important plays. Very important plays. I, I, I get it. Uh, where you didn't execute or the play call was bad, one of the two. And yes, I would have liked to see a few more passes called. But when you really, when, when I go back and rewatch it, I don't have much of an issue with the play calling. So you guys can let me know, okay, uh, outside of the heat of the moment, what, what's your temperature check? Tweet at Scott Wildcat at Bosco's Boys. Give me your temperature check on the play calling in that game now that you've removed yourself a little bit from it. I'm more than open to hearing uh, any sort of feedback. I'm, I'm not going to tell anyone they're wrong. So that's just kind of where my head's at. Let's talk about Adrian Martinez specifically, though. And I thought, especially in the passing game, he was very smart. You know, he threw the ball away a handful of times when he didn't have anything. And I thought most of those were great moves. There were a couple times, especially to Malik Knowles, where he's rolling out and he's putting the ball only where Malik can go up and get it and protecting him and protecting the ball. I thought we have finally seen... Adrian Martinez really start to cook a little bit in the passing game, which is, again, why you would have liked to see him attempt more than 19 passes. And I think he got sacked three times and had maybe a scramble or two. So there were a few more plays called than actual passing. But again, when he's 12 of 19 for 250, for almost 250, I like seeing that. So, um, I, w I, w I would have liked to see him throw the ball more. And, and here's the thing. He also was our most effective rusher. He did rush the ball 19 times for 77 yards. Long of 19. Which, again, credit to Iowa State. They held DJ for his long was 8. Deuce's long was 9. So cre credit to Iowa State's rushing defense. But I, I would have liked to see Adrian get a little bit more into the rhythm and get a few more opportunities to pass the ball. Because I thought he looked great. I, I thought he was putting the ball where he needed to be. I think he was smart with his decision-making. I think he made the right reads in the uh, route trees quite a bit. Um, there was one miscommunication. I think it was a miscommunication with him and Malik early. Um, and then I he had kind of one questionable throw up the middle that maybe could have been intercepted. But ultimately, I thought he played a very smart game. And he was making the right throws and throwing it well when it was his time to throw the ball. So I was very pleased with Adrian Martinez's game. He even made, uh, what, was it an 11-yard catch? Um, yeah, he, he even made an 11-yard catch uh, from Malik, uh, him showing off that athletic ability. So I, I really enjoyed what Adrian Martinez brought to the game. 
Now, as we look towards the final six games, we're at the midway point. Um, can he keep it up? You know, I was this as prolific as the Texas Tech or Oklahoma game? No. I mean, 246 yards, not bad passing. 77 yards, not bad rushing. Again, very good stat line. You know, that, that was a stat line. And, and again, I, I love Skylar Thompson. I absolutely love and adore him. I think as time wears on, he will be an underrated quarterback, especially when you look at the amount of wins, the amount of stats he accumulated, and him being the best quarterback on the roster for five years. But that's the type of game you didn't see often from Skylar Thompson. 246 yards passing, 77 yards rushing. Adrian Martinez just brings you a different level of quarterback that it's probably been, you know, since Colin Klein, but in a different way. Colin Klein playing that fullback role. I mean, a dual threat ability, I mean, since L. Roberson. And I think, and he has yet to turn the ball over. He's halfway through the season and he has not turned the ball over. If we can see this type of Adrian Martinez in the final six games, like we saw in the first three, there isn't a game on the schedule K-State can't win. And I am over the moon that he is K-State's quarterback, and I'm going to enjoy the next six games. Let's move into uh, the running backs. First and foremost, man, I I hope Deuce Vaughn, I hope his injury was not serious. I, I'm very happy that this bye week is coming when it is. I, we, we needed this bye week. Absolutely needed it. Um, he came out of the game, I think with a knee injury, came back for one play, went out. But even when he was in there, he, he just didn't seem to have that magic. Just didn't seem to have it at all. So... I hope that, you know, once we got back to Manhattan, we put him on ice. And I would basically say, hey, look, you're resting and rehabbing until about the Wednesday or Thursday before the TCU game. I I, I want him to have 10, 11 days of nothing but rest and rehab. um, Because he is such an important member of the team. 10 carries for 23 yards, which has to be close to his worst production ever. Um, two catches for 14 yards. Um, the catches he made were big. I mean, an eight and a five yard uh, catch. That, that's that's nice. But uh, ultimately, he he just didn't have it. And I think a lot of it did have to do with Iowa State. There was, I think, on one of his uh, carries, was a five yard gain. If he doesn't get ankle tackled, he is still running. You know, he's running all the way to Canada. Um, cause he, it was a great scheme. The secondary was out of it and he just got tripped up. So he was close to breaking off a couple big plays, but he didn't quite have that Deuce Vaughn magic that we've all come accustomed to. Um, I'm sure I, I, I'm positive. It is a mixture of Iowa state is a good defense, especially rush defense. I think they're the best rushing defense in the big 12 and him being banged up. I think and hope what we saw from DJ will allow the coaches maybe to, I'm, I'm not saying change how Deuce Vaughn is used or take his usage away, but maybe spread it out just a little bit. Because I thought DJ was running hard. He had eight carries for 32 yards, averaging four. And that's not great. That's not great. But again, great rushing defense from Iowa State, but he runs hard. He hits holes. I think you see Adrian Martinez directing his traffic quite a bit when he's out there. So I think he still needs to continue to grow as a running back. And and, I mean, hell, Deuce Vaughn, I mean, elite blocker, (laughs) elite blocker, Deuce Vaughn. I don't know uh, where DJ is on that level as well, but. I think we have to try to start spreading out Deuce's usage. And instead of like, okay, Deuce is hurt, which now we've seen him exit the game with injuries. Granted, the first one was cramps, but we've seen prolonged 
Um, absences from Deuce now in two games. Um, so I, I, I think we do have to start getting a little bit smarter in not how much or how we use Deuce, but spreading it out throughout the game to hopefully avoid long stretches where he can't play. And I think DJ has shown enough to say, hey, we can do this. It will be something that, uh, and I'm guessing we don't hear anything um, during the bye week. And honestly, Coach Kleiman has no reason to tell us the truth, but I, I, I'm guessing we hear next to nothing about Deuce's health or availability until the Saturday of the TCU game. That's just my guess. Moving into tight ends, fullbacks, um, not a lot on the stat sheet. Um, ben Sennett did grab one catch, five yards. Uh, he, he had a couple big-time blocks when we were uh, on some of these drives, when we when we did put together some drives for the game-winning field goal and to ice out the game, so, so that was fine. Um, Sammy Wheeler... I mean, not he, he, he got his lunch uh, money taken from him, from him a couple times uh, when he was trying to block. Not really getting open. I, I, I have a little bit of, actually not a little bit, I have a lot of disappointment in, in uh, Sammy Wheeler's season so far. I thought we were going to see a little bit more from him uh, catching the pass. His blocking is average. I would say average. Um so I, I thought we were going to see a little bit more from him. Um, we just haven't. Uh, I, I hope and I think I think Will Ancio is going to be the answer. And I'm not going to turn this into like a future Cats thing. Uh, but I think that is something that would have taken this offense uh, to an, another level. And there weren't any uh, transfer tight ends. There's very few transfer tight ends out there in the portal and we had seen flashes from Sammy Wheeler, so I understand why they didn't really sell out to try to get one of the handful of tight ends out there. Um, but but I think you're just kind of missing that dynamic. Now there's six games left in this season. I th- and there's six games left in Sammy Wheeler's career at K State. I think there will be at least one game. Uh, amongst those six where Sammy Wheeler just goes off for like 80 to 100 yards and a touchdown because um, he has that in him. We, we've seen the big plays from him, and we, we, we've seen a few catches from him this season. Um, so I, I'm hoping to see it, and I'm, I'm hoping it comes in a big game, but this wasn't this wasn't it. Um, I think, man, I, I, I'm, I'm not even 100% sure it looked like there was another tight end who came in and got a false start penalty, um, and I'm not I'm not 100 sure who it was. The commentators were not great. Uh, neither was the camera work. Neither were the referee mics. So I'm not even sure who that was. But um, that position group as a whole, when it comes to production outside of you know the Oklahoma game from Penn Senate, which I'm not going to take that away from him, has has left me a little wanting. So we'll, we'll see what happens moving on. Um, offensive line, it was a tough night for him. It was. In the rush running game, it, it was tough. Um, but they made big blocks, and they got some movement, and they protected Adrian Martinez when they really needed to. Um, it, you ha- it has so much potential. And again, I think this is probably the second or third best defensive front we're going to face this entire season. Um so, so you knew they were going to struggle a little bit. So I, I'm not going to lose any sleep over their performance. Because when you really needed them to step up, get protection, or find a couple yards in that final drive, they found a way to do it. So all in all, I mean, it's probably a C plus, B minus from the offensive line. Again, when you, you go back and look at yards per play and you look at the time uh, they, they gave Adrian Martinez on a couple of those. Granted, on some of the biggest plays, Adrian Martinez did avoid a sack and then find the guy downfield. But I, I, I think it was a, a, a fine to okay, not great, but not horrible performance from the offensive line. Um, I, I still think that 
The tackles struggled, but they were going up against probably the second or third best defensive end in uh, in the conference in McDonald. So, you know, I, I'm not going to lose sleep over that offensive line performance. And they're all going to, you know, gel. They're all going to get healthy. And you're going to probably see a lot of comments coming out this week about those younger guys on the offensive line because I imagine – most of those veterans are not going to do a lot of practicing during the bye week. One plus side on the offensive line. I don't know if he got out there, but Andrew Langang did travel. So he is now back in the mix, and that is great for the offensive line. Now to the wide receivers. Um, shout out to Keenan Garber. I mean, he he got targeted, and he, he was playing out there. Um so it was some of the first uh, action Keenan Garber has seen in non-cleanup uh, duty, non-garbage time. But really, it comes down to Phillip Brooks and Malik Knowles. You know, Cade Warner made a good or ran a good route and drew a defensive pass interference. So good for him. Um, but it really was both Phillip Brooks and Malik Knowles. Both of them had big plays, but they also found ways to get open, make catches, pick up first downs, and just keep driving forward when needed. And they both made plays that we know they can. Now, Malik, and let, let's talk about the fumble. Um, first off, made a great catch, got the guy off of him, was striding out, you know, in an ideal world, he is sprinting all the way through the goal line. But again, he had to ward off defenders. Um, so I kind of understand it. Um, you got to feel the guy on your back. You got to get that second hand up there to secure the ball. Then he had a chance to recover it in the end zone. A football is a weird shaped ball. Squirts past him. Absolutely devastating turnover. Now, there was so much good in that play um, that's really unfortunate that uh, I would say, again, credit to their player. He, he was out of the game. He ran down Malik, punched the ball out. It took Malik, you know, probably almost all the way up to the end to even build up his speed. So, again, I, I'm not going to flame him. I'm not going to melt down. I'm not going to scream on this podcast about the play. Um, but if you would have lost, that would have been a devastating play to look back on. Uh, but you didn't. You didn't. And he, I'm not going to say redeemed himself because he didn't. That was the biggest play that would have prevented us from winning the game. So I'm not going to say it was completely redeemed. But he made massive catches. We saw the athletic ability. We saw the catching ability for Malik Knowles. And we saw flashes of why there are NFL scouts coming to games specifically to watch Malik Knowles. We're seeing why there are NFL scouts showing up to practice to talk to Thad Ward, to talk to Chris Kleiman, specifically about Malik Knowles. He has that ability. And we saw it. I, I think it's been a while since we have seen a game where he's pulling in, what, was it five catches? Over 100 yards? Again, one big play that ended in disaster, but we saw his catch, pass catching radius. We saw his speed. We saw his vision. We saw him run some really good routes. So I'm hoping this game unlocks something in Malik. Now, I think for a lot of games, and even this game, we wanted to run the ball. This, When you have Deuce Vaughn, when you have the ability Adrian Martinez does in the legs, I think this is going to be a run-first offense all season long. I 100% believe that. But Malik Knowles showed that, hey, three to four times a game, you give him a chance to make a play, he can. And I was very pleased with 99% of Malik Knowles' play. The sad thing is that 1% was a massive 1%, which is kind of a contradiction. I understand that. But, uh, you know, he ends, if he ends up holding on to that ball and scoring a touchdown, I think he's getting all the game ball nominations. I think he has potential to be one of the Big 12 players of the week. I think he gets one of the hammers, all that type of stuff. I, I think, you know, that six more inches, you know, game of inches. 
I, I mean, I, I think everyone is praising him universally. So I, I, I am hoping, and he did bounce back. So I'm hoping this is the beginning of a massive final six games for Malik Knowles. Now, Philip Brooks, who got the game's lone touchdown, absolutely amazing play. So Adrian Martinez is able to shed the blitzer, get his eyes up, find Philip Brooks, who sheds a tackler and takes it to the house. Now, I, I've been critical of Philip Brooks. I, I, I think that he, he's had some drops. I think that uh, he hasn't always run some great routes. In some games, he's not up for it uh, blocking on the edge. But that is Philip Brooks at his best. Catching a ball, making a guy miss, and having the agility and speed to then take it to the end zone. So I was super pumped to see that. That was like the one play I was able to watch on my phone during the reception. And I went wild. And and, and I'm very pleased that he was able to make that play. Because ultimately, you know, that's the difference in the game. That was a third down play. Uh, Without that, there's no momentum. It's a three and out, kicking the ball right to Iowa State. But instead, it's a touchdown and it was what that that one play is what let K State hold on to m- momentum almost the entire game. So that play cannot be cannot be understated. So shout out to Philip Brooks. Now before we move into the defense, actually no, shout out going back to Malik Knowles real quick. What a nice little pass, to Adrian Martinez, just dropping in the bucket there. Again, for a, for a trick play like that, you those are designed to be home runs. Those are designed to be like 40-yard plays. Uh, a lot of trickery to get 11 yards. But, I mean, shout out to Malik. He, he just dropped it in there. So, um, nice little throw. Who knows? Maybe, maybe we'll see Malik throw the ball again. Um, and that's also the, I believe, second wide receiver who had a play called for him to throw a pass. Uh, we saw Cade Warner who just tucked it and uh, didn't throw the pass, but that's the second time a play has been called for a wide receiver to throw a pass, so uh, something to keep an eye on. Let's move into the defense, but before we do, we are sponsored by Points Bet USA. That's right, the best legal sports book, online sports book in the country sponsors Bosco's Boys. If you want to support the show, if you want to bet at the best spot, Check the link in our bio. Not only that, but you will also get a We Ride K-State t-shirt designed by our own Will Dubois. So check the link in the bio. And guess what? If we can get 200 signups by the end of October, we get a full sponsored and uh, catered tailgate from Sports Drink and PointsBet. So please sign up, get the t-shirt, help us get an amazing tailgate party. Absolutely loved the grit. Absolutely loved the grind of the best defense in the Big 12. K-State has the best defense in the Big 12, bar none. The defensive line was absolutely immense. Absolutely elite. Eli Huggins completely ate the lunch of the interior offensive line of Iowa State. Absolutely killer. Felix DK Uzama, we only got two sacks on the game. He grabbed one of them. Brandon Mott got another. Only four tackles for loss, so not great. But I tell you what, Eli Huggins was in the backfield all game. He only got credited for two tackles, but he was blowing up plays left and right. Absolutely loved his game. Felix grabbed two tackles. Mott got one. Nick or Nick Allen's a linebacker. Jalen Pickle, another great game from him. Again, when you're playing that big defensive end spot, the whole idea is is not to get hooked on some of these outside runs and to take up extra blockers and allow the uh, the linebackers and secondary to come up and clean the mess. And Jalen Pickle plays that position great. D. Hentz gave you some good sta- snaps. Nate Matlack, 
No registered uh, stack stats, but he was out there. Cody Stuffelbean got a tackle. So I, I think we're starting to see some of these young guys and some of well, Cody Stuffelbean isn't a I mean he's been around. So we're starting to see him get out on the field a little bit. Um and it's good to see. It was great to see Felix get back out there. I was worried about him getting hurt. Um, but he got back out there. He was making plays. Absolutely in love with what the defensive line did. And again, I think we all have been programmed into thinking, all right, you know, sacks, tackles for losses, all this type of stuff. That's what the defensive line is supposed to do. And yes, we saw that versus Texas Tech. But in this game, the way Iowa State tries to play offense, how quickly they're trying to get the ball out, their quick-hitting running game, the whole idea for this defensive line is to get your hands up, try to take away passing lanes, Try to get pressure, yes, but make throws more difficult. And then in in the style running attack Iowa State had, it was all about taking up those five defenders and then allowing the secondary, allowing the linebackers to come up, make a hit, and make a stop for two yards, one yard, all that type of stuff. And that's exactly what they did. This defensive line, and I want to give a lot of credit to Buddy Wyatt, This defensive line is so assignment sound. You almost never see their guys getting reached. You never see them getting too deep up the field and just getting flattened by a puller. And again, in games like this, it doesn't allow for a lot of tackles for losses. No. But when the opponent is only rushing for 3.3 yards, that tells you that the defensive line is setting up the linebackers, setting up the secondary to come up, make plays, and do so one-on-one with the running back instead of having to deal with a big, ugly pulling or getting up to the second level. And being able to do all that with just three guys out there, chef kiss. I'm giving the defensive line A, 100%. Moving to the linebackers, and sadly, Khalid Duke coming off of that massive game um, gets hurt, does not come back in. Hoping it's just a you know a ankle sprain. Hoping a you know ten days, thirteen days, however many days of rehab gets him ready for the TCU game because we're gonna need him versus TCU. We're gonna need him versus Max Duggan. Uh, that sucked. <laughs> I it sucked. I, I I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. Losing him sucked, especially coming off of what a big game. But Desmond Purnell played big time, so he's playing fifty snaps. 50, 60 snaps. Um, Again, coming in there and showing what he is made of. He got three tackles. The Topeka Cat. He had two pass breakups. Absolutely massive game from from Desmond Purnell. Massive game. Austin Moore, the machine. A tackle for loss. Six tackles. Two pass breakups. Absolutely massive game. Do screen, two tackles, had a QB hit. Solid game, as always. Again, not Big 12 player of the year type of year for Daniel Green, but he is getting the job done. He is marshalling the defense. He is setting the front six up in alignment so they can take care of business. Nick Allen got a tackle as well. This linebacker crew, again, had so many worries coming into the season. And you don't, you're getting zero, zilch, nothing from the three linebackers that you brought in. You brought in three Division I linebackers in the transfer portal. Two of them never suited up for, actually, none of them suited up for a game. Two of them left the program. One of them is retired from football. One of them went to UCF. And then you do have Will Honus, who is still with the program, but he's not going to take a snap. Which, again, sucks. But, again, you're seeing Austin Moore step up and play big time. You were seeing Khalid Duke, but now we're seeing the Topeka Cat freshman, Desmond Purnell, step up and have a massive game. You're seeing Deuce Green be a leader amongst these guys, setting them up for success. A position group that... Everyone thought was probably the biggest question mark, the biggest liability on the team coming into the season. And even, here's the thing, 
every reason why we thought, oh, no, they're not a liability. It's, oh, you heard so many good things about Sean Robinson and Camp, and, oh, Will Honus played so well that a former four-star had to leave the program to get on the field. You're not getting anything out of these guys. You're getting nothing out of these transfers. You're getting it from guys who have been in the program and developed their skill and kept pounding the stone. It, it, it is a testament to the culture and, quite frankly, to the coaching on this team. I've been very critical of Steve Standard. 100% critical. And I think he leaves a shit ton to be desired when it comes to recruiting and retention. But the jump in ability that we've seen from Austin Moore. Seeing the way Desmond Purnell has been out there playing. You got to give him some credit. I thought he played. I, I, I think the linebackers just played amazing. Secondary, and again, secondary was all over the place. Xavier Hutchinson, now we'll talk about it in the keys to V. Hutchinson had eight receptions. He was targeted 16 times. And yes, he made one big play. He had 38 yards. Got close to 40% of his entire roundup on that one play. But the secondary, especially Echo Boydo, was all over him. Like black on the Iowa State uniform all over him. The secondary played great. Because here's the thing. Hunter Deckers dropped back 38 times. Didn't even get over... 200 yards. Had a QBR of 48. This comes down to the secondary. Again, the defensive line did their job by getting in there, making some throws difficult by being in his grill, having his hand up, taking away some of the lanes. But it was the defensive backfield, the corners and the safeties that made big plays time and time again. Getting pass breakups, not giving them easy routes, taking away stuff over the middle. The secondary... This was one of the best games of the secondary in the Chris Kleiman era. They were elite. Josh Hayes, 11 tackles, one tackle for a loss and a pass breakup. Kobe Savage had five tackles. Sincere Mason, five tackles. Julius Brents, five tackles. Cheatham, four tackles. These guys, Echo Boydo, too. But again, he was everywhere. This might have been the best game of Echo Boydo's career. Absolutely big time place, time and time again. And when Iowa State was trying to come up with big plays to win the game, to move the chains, time and time again, they went to the air. And what happened? You had one of K-State's defensive backs making a play or having coverage or taking away the easy throw, forcing Deckers to try to make a play. And he is not good enough to make a play. This was big time. By the secondary. I know some people outside of K-State circles were like, oh yeah, I don't know. When talking about when K-State fans were saying that this might be the best secondary in the Big 12. Is it the best? I have no idea if it's number one. But it's definitely top two or three. And when Echo Boydo is playing up to that level, and we know what Julie Sprints can be, and we've seen how good the safeties can be, this team is going to be so tough to score on. Now, Iowa State sucks. Their offense is not great. Hunter Deckers is a bottom of the Big 12 type quarterback. Yes. But even going up against the top tier guys, yes, there are quarterbacks who are capable of making a perfect play. There are. There are quarterbacks in the Big 12 who are capable of the perfect throw. I think Max Duggan is super dangerous running the ball. I think Quinn Ewers is a future first-round draft pick at Texas. I think we are going to face... Spencer Sanders is a savvy vet. I mean, he he's just good Brock Purdy. Spencer Sanders is Brock Purdy, but just better. But he's capable of making those throws. The, the secondary will be tested big time down the stretch. Big time down the stretch. But they are capable of forcing these great quarterbacks... To have to play great to beat us. 
And that's all you can ask. Absolutely big time from the secondary. Special teams um, got nothing from the return game. I thought Zentner had a had a rough game. Um, you know, his punting was not great. There were a few times we really were needing him to try to flip the field and just didn't have uh, the turbo boosters in his legs to do it. And then the after the field goal to take the lead, the squib kick, Pooch, I don't even know what that kickoff was. It, I mean, it, it was not great. It was not one of his best games. Now, the good thing is, is we've seen him absolutely murder the ball on kickoffs. We've seen him be a great punter. I have zero worries about him long term. No worries at all. Zetner, uh, he, he after going perfect the last couple games, he was 8 of 10 coming in. He missed that field goal. It wasn't an egregious miss. And I actually liked how he had more elevation on that ball than some of the kind of these low drive knuckleballs. Um, he didn't miss it by much. So I'm I, I'm not changing my tune. I'm not giving him a game ball or anything, but I'm, I'm not worried about it. it. It was a fine kick. Then he turned around and did hit the game winner uh, the next time we called on him. So... I'm not worried about the special teams. It, it, it was disappointing. It was disappointing to have some of these miscues. Uh, but but I'm not overall worried. I, I think it is something that's going to get fixed out. Again, I have no idea. I, I guess Ben Sennett was talking a little trash after the uh, made field goal. Um, but 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 it was not a great game. We we did not win special teams. I, I, and again, it's not like I would say blew us out on special teams, but we did not win special teams. Um, and that did hurt us a little bit, but hey, a win is a win. Now let it let's grade the keys to V. Uh, remember, we are part of the 1012 network as they joined with the spot or with uh, sports drink. Be sure to check out the 1012 pod every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Uh, and hey, I, they're gonna have a live show on Spotify Green Room that I think is publishing on Monday. So download the 1012 pod and hear me brag about our top of the big 12. Uh, K-State Wildcats on their live show. Uh, from Jason, the first key to V was win the duck hunt. With Hunter Deckers, he likes the middle of the field. When he throws a duck, hunt the duck. Don't let him get comfortable throwing over the middle. I'm going to give this... I'm going to give this a B plus. Now, we only got two sacks. We only hit him two more times, and we didn't pick him off, but he was not comfortable. He was not able to make those throws. I think the secondary played up to that. Um, I would have liked to hit him a couple more times or take the ball away from him uh, to give that an A, uh, but I'm going with B plus there. Um, The next one, it was mine. Hit the home runs on offense. So I'm giving this a C plus. Um, it would have been a B plus if Malik Knowles gets over the goal line, but our two biggest plays should have resulted in 14 points. Um, it didn't, um, but we did we did hit two home runs. Um, you know, it just a uh, oh man, just 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 did not work out. Um, you know, right at the goal line for Malik. Um, but but here's the thing: we we did get a great drive to kick the game-winning field goal. We did pick up the first down when we iced the game out. So maybe we're in hell. We, we had a drive for the, the miss field goal as well. So uh, we, we drove the ball a lot better than I anticipated. Um, but we came close to hitting the home run. So I'm giving that a C+. Um, don't fall, it, fall for it. This is Iowa State Super Bowl. They're going to try all the stops, trick plays, and probably get a little chippy. Um I'm going to give this a B-plus as well. Um, I don't think they did any real tricky stuff on offense. Um, I think we just beat them. Uh, they did try to get a little chippy at a couple points. We didn't fall for it except for Ben Sennett's uh, trash talk. So if he didn't get that, I'd probably give it an A-. And then the final one was contain Xavier Hutchinson. Um, you're not going to shut him down, but don't let him beat you. A-plus. Again, you might be thinking eight catches for a hundred yards. How's that containing him? Well, he didn't score his biggest play. We didn't let it, it could have been longer, but we made a great play and he was targeted another eight or nine times. And our secondary was not having it. I think that, you know, again, he picked up a hundred yards. He is, he's a great wide receiver. He's either a first or second round wide receiver. Um, I'd like to see him on the Kansas city chiefs, but he, he did not beat you, and you were able 
to force Hunter Deckers to try to make perfect throws, and he wasn't doing it. And he heard footsteps all night long. I think the secondary did a great job. I'm giving that a straight-up A. So good job by the secondary. We're going to end with the game balls. Um, and But before we do, remember, check out ManhattanBrewingCompany.com. Or not, well, they have a website. But check out Manhattan Brewing uh, Company's tap room. Grab a couple four-packs to go. Get the freshest pint in the state of Kansas right there in their tap room. And go to your liquor store and bully them until they have it in the craft beer section. Check out CharlieHustle.com for all your... Super comfortable, super stylish, officially licensed K-State gear. Plus, for all you Chiefs fans, they have a great Arrowhead collection as well. And then check out Points Bet USA. Check the link in the bio of this episode so we can get you a great We Ride t-shirt. Plus, if we can get 200 signups by the end of the month, we get a sponsored and uh, catered tailgate party, either for the KU game, the Big 12 championship game, or a game early next season. We'll do a vote if we can get to those 200. It would be a blast. First uh, game ball from the Boneheads going to Adrian Martinez. I agree with you, everyone. 77 yards rushing, 246 yards passing. um, Made the right plays. A couple questionable reads, but I I think without a doubt he is – uh, the MVP of the offense for this game. So a well-deserved game ball number one to Adrian Martinez. Game ball number two going to, from the Boneheads, to Josh Hayes. Again, I think no doubter. The Boneheads get the no doubters. But Josh Hayes played elite. Absolutely great game from the transfer. He also had quite a few shouts for the Swagger sticker as well. Um, Josh Hayes 100% deserves a game ball. The Bonehead Swagger Sticker, this nomination coming from the good chef Andre Napier, going to Chris Kleiman and Gene Taylor for their celebration. Those two guys had a blast beating Iowa State. I think, I don't think it's secret. I think if you read between the lines and listen to what these guys say, I think Chris Kleiman hates the fuck out of Matt Campbell. I think Gene Taylor hates the fuck out of Jamie Pollard. And I hate the fuck out of the Charlie Brown motherfuckers hanging banners about their fucking bridge fuck iowa state fuck corn horns down so i'm right there with you guys giving the swagger sticker to chris Kleiman and gene taylor my first game ball going to philip brooks again that big play that gave us the momentum for about 80 percent of the game shedding tackles getting into the end zone philip brooks gets my one game ball and hey he deserves it only touchdown of the game my second game ball is going to Echo Boydo. I think this was the best game we've seen of him as a Wildcat. Um, he, again, Xavier Hutchinson made some plays, yes. But he only caught he caught less than 50% of the balls he was targeted. Echo Boydo was all over him, made some great plays, had great coverage. Echo Boydo gets my second game ball. And my swagger sticker is going to Eli Huggins. Now, he wasn't celebrating. He wasn't, like, going wild or anything. But I thought the game that Eli Huggins had, taking up these double teams, being disruptive, I absolutely love the game Eli Huggins had. uh, So he is getting that award. Um, Some honorable mentions for the game. Uh, We'll go honorable mention to Kobe Savage. We'll go honorable mention to Desmond Purnell. Honorable mention to Felix Anudike Uzama. Um, I'll say this. Platner taking a instrument, and po- Chris Tennant was with him as well, uh, after the game, after road wins. That was great. Offensive lineman doing the shirtless photo in the end zone after away wins. Lots of great honorable mentions for the Swagger Stickers as well. Final award of the game is, is Chauncey Bosco's. He's got that dog in him award. Uh, Chauncey wanted to get in on the fun. He wanted to hand out an award every single week. Chauncey Bosco's, he's got that dog in him award, is going to Austin the Machine Moore. Again, another big game from him. And again, no one had him on the bingo card for being the breakout player of the year or defense player of the year, anything like that. Austin Moore has been big time for this team. So that is all we have. Order has been restored. Corns down. K-State are your 
2022 Farmageddon champions. They're taking home the Golden Pecan Pie. They're taking home the, you know, Combine. They're taking away the, you know, uh, Trice Schweitzer uh, Robinson Trophy. Whatever trophy that you have in your heart for this game, K-State is taking it back to Manhattan where it belongs. For the next 365 days, for the next 52 weeks, we have that bragging rights. Chris Kleiman is now 2-1 and one against Iowa State in games where he has more than 30 scholarship players. It is a great day to be a Wildcat. Woo! Top of the 12, and we're having a laugh. Top of the 12, having a laugh. For Chauncey Bosco, for all great K-State fans who hate Iowa State, we love you guys, and go Cats. It's time to get set for the Cat Attack. You can feel it coming on for Kansas State. The feeling's growing strong. You can join in the action. This is where you want to be with Kansas State. Come on, set your spirit free. Kansas State, our pride is with the cats. Kansas State, come on, join the cat attack. Kansas State, excitement's in the air. Podcast Network.